The Pat Kenny Show with MasterCard. Share an extraordinary experiences all over the world with priceless cities at priceless.com. This is News Talk. Well, now, imagine being rewarded for having an unhealthy dog. Well, that could be the case at Crufts last week when uh, Easternite Randy Andy, an inbred pug, was placed first. Now, to talk about uh, this controversial win is Pete the Vet. Uh, and if you have any questions for Pete, get in touch by texting 53106 or email patkenny at newstalk.com. Um, dogs don't understand, you know, relationships. Like a dog will mate with its own daughter given half the chance. Oh, 100%. Hormones so in, are hormones, yes. Inbreeding in goes on all the time, in a sense. It, it, it would do naturally if animals were allowed to get on with it. But fortunately, in the broad population of dogs, um, it's just a random kind of mix. And so it doesn't generally happen. And evolution usually sorts things out because animals that are inbred are less healthy, less likely to breed successfully, and therefore um, it doesn't really happen. However, in the pedigree dog world, inbreeding is to some extent encouraged in that, by definition, a pedigree dog means it's bred from a close circle of dogs that are within the same breed, and therefore, you know, there, there's more likely to be some degree of breeding with relatives. Yeah, they have an index, don't they? Yes. Um, the, the Kennel Club, the UK Kennel Club, has, them, has an excellent system called the Mate Select System, which allows you to put in each dog that you plan to mate, and it works out what's called what's called a coefficient of inbreeding, and that gives you a sense of of whether a dog is close to the, the dog it's mating with or not, or far so away from th- it. This is because they have the details. Mm. If it's a pedigree dog, it has to be registered, and the parentage, the lineage, and so on, is known to the kennel club. It's known, it goes back decades, goes back dozens of generations. So you can work out exactly how inbred they are. And that's, that's, you think that'd be really good news. It allows breeders to plan um, matings carefully so that dogs aren't too inbred. And it's a really good idea. Okay, so the lower this coefficient is, uh, the better in terms of the breed. So yes. if, for example, you have um, a dog that mates with its granddaughter, mm-hmm. what, what would that be? What coefficient? That would be a coefficient of inbreeding of 12.25%. And the average would be across? The, aver- the average for the pug breed, which is what this dog was, is um, 4.9%, which is reasonably... Okay, so... Okay. so uh, uh, Grandfather, granddaughter breeding would be uh, three times the coefficient of the average. Yes. What about Easternite Randy Andy? His coefficient of inbreeding was 19.9%. So four times that of the average. Yes, that's right. Very inbred, in other words. Well, in my opinion, yes. And um, you might say, well, how could an inbred dog win a big best of breed in a, in a, a massive show like Crofts? The, the, fa- the reason is... The reason for that is that coefficient of inbreeding doesn't come into the judging process. The judge has no idea what that dog's coefficient of inbreeding Mm. is. It's only something that people look at afterwards to see. Yeah. Now, this dog had been deemed healthy, you know, was able Mm. to breathe, wasn't having any health issues. Every dog before it goes into the finalist ring is checked by a vet to make sure there's no active health issues indeed. But... When there was, I saw a photograph of the dog afterwards, and I have to say, from my perspective, you know, it had the, the dog's a lovely looking, a lovely dog in some ways. I'm sure he's a lovely personality, but he has pinched nostrils, so very narrowed nostrils. He has strabismus, which is when one eyeball looks looks a different direction to the other eyeballs, um, which happens because the uh, for several reasons, but basically it's a confirmation issue. But you'd imagine that would disqualify you straight away. You would think so, and people are saying, "Well, it was just the way the photograph was taken." Well, I haven't seen photographs of my own little dogs with squiff eyes like that. And the other thing would be it was also uh, an overweight dog, for sure, and that just encouraged 
encourages people to think that overweight is normal, whereas what we're looking for is lean dogs that have less breathing problems. And the last thing of all is that he had a flat face, which is typical of his breed. Um, but um, unfortunately, he had a fold on the bridge of his nose, which pushes upwards, which obscures the vision at the corners of his eyes. So when, when you look at what the breed standard is, that the Kennel Club issues, the breed standard says that um, dogs of this type, they, they, they shouldn't have these types of features it specific, specifically outlines they should have wide nostrils and they should have um, no exaggerated creases and a number of other, other factors like that but the, the thing is that at the end of the day what happens in the, in the judging ring is the subjective opinion of the judge that means however much anybody else says you shouldn't do that or the kennel club could say no we don't want to have dogs with such exaggerated features uh, and with eyes that aren't quite straight it doesn't really matter because it's the judge's opinion on the day, and and that's not something that can be can be changed or even contested. So, I just I'm disappointed because at its best, pedigree showing can be fantastic. Like I, I met a whole bunch of native Irish breeds last week on on Ireland AM, and they they were the most magnificent specimens of pure health, good nature, lovely dogs, and these are show ringers winners. But the problem is that it just takes a few dogs that are, if you like, not pictures of ideal health to bring the whole the whole idea of, of showing dogs into mm-hmm. disrespute. And it, it's disappointing because they, it, they can do better and they should do better. So um, people think I'm dissing the whole concept of, of, of showing dogs. I'm not because at its best, it should be you're giving a prize to the healthiest dog with the best confirmation, the best nature, and it deserves to be rewarded. But when, when dogs get prizes that apparently don't fit that ideal, then you just say, well, what's it all about? All right, well, hopefully Crofts will take note of the controversy that has surrounded Mm. this Best of uh, Breed uh, Award this year. Now, some of the questions. I have to mind my friend's budgie for a week. Can I let it out of the cage and let it fry around the living room? Um, Is it a good idea? I will make sure windows and doors are closed, but would I ever get it back in the cage? That's from Lucy. Well, I talked to the owner of the budgie because... You know, if a budgie is used to doing that every day, if it's part of his routine, and I think it should be part of a budgie's mm-hmm. routine because they deserve to fly like any bird, um, then it's fine. But if the budgie's never been let out of his cage before and you let him out, well, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> good luck and goodbye. Um, and, of course, that's where the budgie gets its food, so the budgie will return to the cage. Well, ultimately, yeah, uh, you'd expect yeah. it would do, ultimately. But still, if it's not used to going out, then it might just panic a bit. Mm. Is there anything I can buy to self-clean my fishbowl? It gets dirty so often and it's such a pain to clean. That's from Neve. Well, as somebody who had fish myself for many years, I, I sympathise with you because it is a a work burden and that goes to keeping any pet whether it's a fish or whatever so my rule was always you should empty half uh, a third of the water out once a week so it's a relatively small job once a week make it part of your weekly routine don't let it get too slimy or you're in trouble if if you just let it sit there then you are going to have a major burden every three or four months and it is a big job is there any breed of dog I could get for an apartment I don't have a huge amount of space but I would be bringing them in and out to the park yeah, people sometimes say, oh, you live in an apartment, you can't have a dog. Well, just look at New York City where there's thousands and thousands of dogs happily kept in apartments. So apartment life shouldn't be any reason why not to get a dog. I think the breed would depend entirely on the animal's temperament. I mean, I think you could have a dog like a greyhound that's quite a big yeah. dog in a, in a small space, um, as long as you give the dog exercise every day. Um, so 
I, w- I would focus. I tell you what I would do is I would go to a good dog rescue centre and talk to them about your situation. And like I always say, these people are, are, are well versed in matching a dog to its environment and they should keep you right. My 12-year-old cat is losing weight. Um, saliva smells. So I do, do I take him to the vet? That's in Francis. Definitely you do. Those two indications make me think immediately of something like either diabetes or kidney issues because in both cases... Um, the weight loss accompanied by a bit of an odd smell from the cat is typically what you see. But the vet would have to carry out an examination and then do some tests to identify if those are going on. What's Pete's opinion of CBD oil for arthritic and arthritic dog? That's from Ger. Well, it's one of those panaceas that's come out in the last couple of years that um, hasn't yet got the evidence that it really needs to be um, issued as a standard drug or standard recommendation. I would be saying to you, first of all, Talk to your vet about the standard techniques that we know work really well. And that means things like weight control, moderate exercise, and also non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, which are very, very effective. But a lot yeah, of dogs... The CBD oil won't do them any harm. No, but, but you need to use it carefully. There are, I mean, there are... If you talk to your vet, vets are aware that there, you know, there are indications that are just coming along, coming along the road. So that they prob- it probably will play a role as part of a, of a patchwork of drugs for dogs with arthritis. Um, last one for the moment. You are going to continue on Facebook Live in a couple of minutes, facebook.com forward slash newstalkfm. Uh, should I continue feeding a feral cat where once there was one, now there are five others bullying for her food up on the windowsill, etc., thinking of getting her neutered and treated for fleas, but not the whole neighbourhood of cats. That's from Sinead and Kells. Yeah, these are tricky situations. Well, funny enough, the best thing you can do is to try to tackle the whole batch of them. And that may mean getting together with neighbours and with a local animal welfare group as well, and talking to your vet about getting some sort of bulk discount for having these cats done. Because definitely the, the, the only answer is for them all to be trapped, to be spayed or neutered, and often to have an ear tip removed so you can identify which ones have been done. And if you do that, you can be sure that the number of cats won't increase and you'll have a stable population that will be able to be maintained by you without too much difficulty for a number of years. A final comment for you, uh, Pete. I show dogs for years in Crufts. It was never about the dog, only ever about who was holding the other end of the lead. Well, that's the kind of thing that really worries me, yes. (laughs) It shouldn't be, should it? It should be about a healthy, good-looking dog. And that's not, a, an unhealthy. Actually, it's amazing how many of these people who are running around the ring with their dogs are overweight. And <laughs> no, steady, Pat. Steady. No, seriously. <laughs> I watched it. I watched it. And some of them are finding it much harder to run around the ring than the dog. Anyway. Uh-huh.